Welcome to ContenderCast, a leadership conversation centered on shining a light on bright ideas. And now here's your host, Justin Hahnemann. Thanks for downloading. Thanks for listening. This is the ContenderCast. It's Justin Hahnemann, and we are shining a light on bright ideas. And today we are talking about a really cool topic, college admissions. Like, I mean, if you've got kids that are thinking about going to school one day, or maybe you're a kid that wants to go to college one day, you're going to love this podcast for so many reasons. And believe me, if you're already done with college, you're still going to love today's podcast because of who I've got on today's podcast. I've got my good friend, Rick Clark, who is the head of undergraduate admissions at Georgia Tech. Rick, it's awesome having you on the podcast. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. Looking forward (laughs) to it. Totally. I could not wait to do this one. So Rick and I know each other, of course, through Georgia Tech, but also we're doing a really cool program together called Leadership Georgia. And um, that has been a blast. It's been great. It's been really interesting. Total interesting program about getting to know a lot of folks around the state. Um, But that's not what we're here to talk about today. We're going to talk college admissions. And this is your space. So Rick, let's just start with like, how did you get to this role? I know you've been here at Georgia Tech for 15 years, but how did you get into this world of admissions? You know, I went to uh, Chapel Hill for for undergrad and actually my on-campus job was working in the admission office at UNC. Yeah. I almost went there for grad school. Okay. I really, I got waitlisted and then I got rejected. (laughs) Oh man. (laughs) I know. That was probably you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you've got PTSD from that. I do still. (laughs) I wanted the, you know, the blue anyway. That's right. But yeah, no, my, uh, I was a journalism major there, public relations, and just kind of saw how it all tied in. Uh, And really even still today, so much of that is public speaking, writing, our web content, and it really is a good fit. Yeah, I can totally see that. In fact, one of the first times we met was you out talking to one of the high schools here in the Atlanta area about college admissions. And I mean, if I didn't know, you, I mean, it wasn't even about Georgia Tech. It was just kind of the process, right? Right. And that that is our goal is, uh, you know, Georgia Tech is just one place among many. And, you know, in the end, we're just trying to help students understand who we are, but also kind of who they are. And so what's the best place for them? Totally. Maybe, maybe here, maybe not. I could see that. And so just some stats and facts about Georgia Tech. Give us the numbers, you know, number of applicants a year, um, you know, admissions, kind of timeline, that kind of thing. Yeah. So it's it's been interesting for us because over the course of the last, you know, five to 10 years, there's been a real increase in the number of applicants. You know, a, a decade ago, we were getting... 13, 14,000. Uh, this year we had a little under 36,000. So the, wow. the increase has so been why? significant. What's driven that? You know, I mean, a lot of people would just say it's the the brilliance of the admission director. <laughs> of course, it's all you. <laughs> no, I, I think that uh, it's it's certainly been this conversation and an important one around return on investment. And tech really does sit in a great spot there in terms of uh, being able to demonstrate that for the dollars invested and dollars returned, we are often, you look at Kiplinger's money and some sure. of these well-ranked. The other thing is STEM, you know, just the rise of STEM, STEM education around the country. And so, Sitting kind of uniquely in that intersection of STEM and ROI, sure. I would I would say is Georgia Tech, and so there's been a big rise in that regard. Um, but the the truth is, honestly, around the country, kids are applying to more schools. Okay, uh, for and the a process variety is easier, of reasons, right? With the, the process common application, easier. common app, and now you also have the coalition app, which is another similar setup. Okay, yeah. Interesting. So what is the coalition app and how does that work versus like the common app? So the common app has been around since the seventies. And I mean, there's, you know, almost a thousand member schools and the coalition app has a similar concept, which is, you know, let's make it easier. Instead of having to fill out your name and address to a million different places, 
do that once. Give us the biographical stuff. Write the essay. Tell us about your grades. But then each school can have their own supplementary information. The Coalition app just launched last year. It's a much smaller group of schools. But to be part of that, you have to demonstrate that your institution is doing a great job of retaining students, graduating students, and doing so at an affordable cost. So there's a, a little delineation there. Got it. That's really interesting. Um, and incredible numbers in terms of just increase. And does that mean more staff to review all of those? Or how does that work out? You know, interestingly, <laughs> those two haven't tracked the together. Yeah. The same. <laughs> but uh, we, we've, you know, it's it's been, we've had to modify our process right. for how we review applications in order to accommodate for some of that. Um, but then following the, or I guess, you know, kind of inversely correlated to the application increases that the admit rate has also gone down. Interesting. And that's been sort of a blessing and a curse. I mean, you know, again, five years ago, uh, we were taking one out of every two. And this year it was more like one out of every five. So, wow. you know, that's, okay. that is going to naturally 20%. happen on a supply and demand standpoint. Sure. And it's interesting you bring up the concept or the, the this whole discussion around STEM. I mean, I, as you know, my day job is in management consulting and it's almost 100% of who we recruit. Um, I'd say the largest percentage and then followed by some of the other um, majors and degrees around that. But that's certainly the, not only priority for us, but then a lot of our clients, because most of them now are looking at technology and enabled, analytics-enabled, data-enabled businesses. That's right. And kids being able to come out, kind of hit the ground running with some of those skills. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So one thing I love about Rick, and you guys will see this soon, we will give you a reference to his blog, and you must subscribe. It is just awesome. And, and Rick's working on a book too, which I'm excited about, and you guys are going to want to buy. But um, what I thought we could do today, Rick, is talk through some of the ins and outs, do's and don'ts and whatnot around the college admissions process. And since you're the expert, I thought this would be kind of fun, right? So let's play the game, Would You Rather? And um, the first one is around, I love this. You go, would you, would you rather have no training and compete in the skeleton or ski jump? <laughs> exactly. What's your thought on that one? Oh, man. I'll tell you what. We, we had lots of debates in our household about, <laughs> During about the, Olympics. the Olympics you know, surrounding this. And you know, my take on that is... I'm going skeleton. <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, ski jump looks fun. Though. Ski jump looks like broken bones to me. <laughs> you know, I, I just have to go skeleton because while terrifying, it just yes. feels like at any point you could sort of just like jump off. Whereas right. ski jump, once you're in the air, man, you are you're in you're in some trouble. And then ice ice dancing or curling? Yeah, I'm going curling. What about? Uh, yeah, I would I would probably go curling on that too. I mean, just in terms of like how bad can you possibly look? Uh, ice dancing is not going <laughs> to go well for me. <laughs> well, you guys are probably wondering why in the world I, would I bring those up, but this is the lead into a really cool um, blog that you'll, you'll have the opportunity to read. And this really ties to a couple of key points. The first one is around looking at the numbers. And so GPA um, and how that is or is not a deciding factor on paper, how do you compare different schools you know, and whatnot. So talk a little bit about that in the application process and in the admissions process and across schools. Yeah, I mean... So this is obviously a key thing that schools around the country are looking at is, you know, first of all, where do you go to school? And that is really kind of the biggest question that schools ask at the beginning. You know, maybe the first question is like, are you a felon? And that would be a whole different, <laughs> whole different yes uh, conversation, no. <laughs> you know. But after that, it's more of, all right, where does the student go to school? What do they have access to? What could they possibly take? And selective schools around the country are expecting that students have been pushing themselves and sure. challenging themselves. Uh, and then the GPA piece of that has gotten just really kind of 
odd in the last few years because you have- I agree. <laughs> and I've got questions on this All one, right. but go ahead. Well, I mean, you, you know, I think there was a time when things were a lot more standardized. Sure. You were on a zero to 100 scale. You were on an A to F scale. Everybody sort of understood what those things were. Now you've got kids on an, a GPA scale that goes to 15, right? So a 4.0 is not looking so good anymore. You've got people that are on a, a G through K because A through F is psychologically damaging. I mean, you've got all kinds of variants. And so we're trying to understand, and, and schools around the country, when they open up applications, are understanding what is excellent at that school? How did the student kind of pick their path through? And, uh, you know, are they going to be a good fit based on that? Sure. And I know one example you shared with me was that there was a, a high school that I guess sent in over 200 applications. And of those 200, more than 160 of, or 160 of those had a 90 or above in the GPA. I right, mean, like, that's right. pretty strong. Yeah, great. In- <laughs> <laughs> it is. Great inflation has right. just kind of gone through and the roof. There's lots of 4.1s and 2s and 3s. I mean, how do you differentiate? Right school, you know, the grades versus quality of school. Schools are adding weight. Oftentimes, if a student takes an AP course, they may be adding 10 points or seven points. Uh, You know, some schools don't add any points. And that's where admission, you know, representatives who travel and recruit from various geographic areas have to understand. So schools submit profiles that explain this. Okay. And so that's why it really isn't apples to apples. So, you know, your cousin goes to school in New Jersey and is talking about having a 4.1. Right. <laughs> well, that's not actually so much better than your 3.7. It depends on where that student that goes. But but colleges now, especially you know, highly selective schools, are not only reading very closely to understand that, but then they're also looking at kids from that high school who have come to their school how have they done, right? Got so, it. you know, younger brothers need to be saying to their older sister, like, you better do well, because that, <laughs> that has an impact on me. You know? It does, right? <laughs> All right. So that's, of course, everyone's first thing is thinking about GPA. And that's a, I think that's a one we could spend a whole podcast on. Um, the next area that you talk about, and I love this one, is, you know, how do you choose a school? In fact, we're here today at Georgia Tech, and they're doing tours and on-campus visits. It's spring break, so a couple thousand Hot. people here, yeah. right, uh, from all over the country. Some have gotten in already. Some are evaluating for next year. But choosing a school, and you wrote, just because you've not heard (laughs) of a song or a university, don't discount it. Just because it's not your normal genre, region, type does not mean you won't find it a new favorite. Mm-hmm. So talk a little bit about that in terms of choosing a school. Yeah. I mean, this is the thing that, you know, unfortunately, it's the same places on people's minds year in and year out. No matter if you live in Houston, if you live in Denver, if you live in Atlanta, New York, right. when you see the same schools over and over again, it's the same hoodies, it's the same bumper stickers, it's the same <laughs> right. matriculant list <laughs> from your high school. And so people get this really myopic vision of what's out there. And then, you know, I think, unfortunately, people will go so often to the rankings. And I'd say this as a school that is highly ranked, and you could argue we really benefit from that. But just because a school is number five does not really mean they're any better than the school that's number 10. Uh, And, you know, a lot of people will use that as this real bellwether for excellence. But the truth is they haven't looked at how the rankings even are formulated, you know. And so one of the big things, you know, these kids in in 10th grade and 11th grade are getting barraged with all these brochures, right? Right. So I see them in the mail right now. I have a junior, as you know. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. And, you know, that, that stuff comes in and they just will 
kind of go by name recognition. And I think that's unfortunate because it, it gets them kind of feeling like there's only this small set of schools that are options for them, where the truth is, man, we've got 2,500 four-year schools in the country, so many places that would gladly uh, give that student money oftentimes and, and connect them in a lot of ways. So I think people have too myopic of a view. Well, and you also, we've talked about this before, you talk about, you know, loving yourself first and knowing who you are and what you want to get out of school. And then also being realistic in terms of your grades versus the school. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, you know, in a lot of these families and a lot of these communities, people just start with, uh, you know, where are you going to go to college? If, if you're a Absolutely. junior, man, those are like six of the worst words you can hear <laughs> right. strung together. <laughs> minus like, maybe I'm going to break up with you or something like that. But those two are totally. close, closely, you know, tied. Right. But you know, I do think that uh, that is, we're starting with the wrong question, you right. know, and uh, it's important for kids to start to say like, why, why am I going to go to college, yeah. right? And, and start with why. Start with why. Yeah. Somebody should write a book called that. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, but, there's one out there like that. <laughs> okay, okay. But you know, I mean, just, just this idea of like, who am I and how do right. I learn best? I mean, you know, just because mom and dad went to this big school that plays good football and is all over the news and, and TV, but it's got a population of 50,000, you know, if you know that you learn best in small environments, right. well, just because they're highly ranked or it's in your family, that could be like the last place you should go. And I think people need to start with why am I going? Who am I? How am I made? Because the truth is for every student out there, there is a there is more than just one good fit. Um, but there are absolutely a lot of not good fits. Too. Oh, yeah, um, no doubt. And you're right. I think people do get this kind of narrow view and it's influenced by lots of people around them, family, friends, parents, etc., all right. Um, the third area I wanted to touch on before we get to the really fun part of today's podcast is around being a senior. So we've got seniors in high school listening to the podcast, parents with seniors, I know. And you know, you've gotten in maybe to a couple schools, maybe one, and it's time for the senior year. And the, well, a couple of things you talk about. Uh, the first one is around not quitting on yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is the... <laughs> So especially at this time of year, right. I mean, we're getting we're calls. We're here. getting calls from you know students who are like, you know, I've got a friend who uh, <laughs> who's not doing as well as he had been doing. It's previously. not me. It's just a friend. Yeah, though. yeah I'm just calling on his behalf. I'm <laughs> right. a very generous person, uh, you know. And and so essentially, there's just this like you know, senioritis, right? And it's right. real. And especially for these kids that are getting in early decision or early action. So they found out back in, you know, for some schools, November, December, January, now the spring of the senior year is here. Right. And and they do kind of take their foot off the gas, which, right. hey, I can see it. But at the same time, I think they forget about the fact that it's really not about getting in. It's about being ready when you get there. And so this foundation, I mean, we don't just want kids to take BC calculus because, you know, we like the name of the course. It's, it's about being ready when you get here. And so if they do sort of start to take the foot off the gas in that senior year, they're, they're actually doing themselves a disservice for when the next fall rolls around. Um, and, and that's true of so many things. I mean, they, they get focused a little bit on the wrong stuff, but it is kind of funny at this time of year to get these questions about, well, you know, hypothetically, if right. I were to have two Ds <laughs> and a, a C, friend. you know, and, uh, and we're like, well, listen, man, you know, the, the semester's not over. So tell right. your friend, tell your friend, get back in the first gear. <laughs> well, the other thing analogy you, you've used here is owning your workout. And I love this one because I mean, it's like anything else. If you don't practice over time, you can't be the best and you can't just start playing a sport for on day one without the practice and preparation beforehand. 
season and any school and especially Georgia Tech, I mean, you know, if you go months and months without kind of being in the habit of studying and kind of being on top of things, no matter how good you are as a student, it could be a tough first quarter or semester semester here now. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, and and this is the thing. I mean, these students, I mean, they they come in and there is that expectation of uh, it's time to go. Got to be ready. Right. It's time to go. All right. Let's shift um, to our last topic for today. And this one, I'm going to call it just like you do. That's not how it works. <laughs> All right. We're going to make that hashtag. <laughs> yeah. That, that might be the title for this podcast. Yeah. Probably, all right. Obviously. All right. All right. So let's start with the wait list. <laughs> Quote, I've decided not to come to Georgia Tech, but I have a friend on the wait list. I'd like to give her my spot. Right. End quote. We get this a lot. You know? <laughs> no, you don't. We this do cannot get, happen. Th- this happens. Like, you can't hand someone the wait list. It's like an upgrade on the right. airplane. You don't give your upgrade to Correct. somebody. It right? is true. It is true. Do but people really ask this? Seriously? All the time. No. Which we appreciate the friendship. Uh, we definitely, you know, again, this is a generous person. This is why we admitted right. him in the first place. Nice person. Yeah, good person. Smart kid. We admitted you. Uh, but no, the wait list doesn't work that way. So, and this is the wait list. I actually wrote a three-part series maybe a year ago called The Wait List Sucks. Oh, and, wow. it, and how it just kind of sucks for everybody. We don't right. want to have it. Right. They don't the want to be on it. it. I mean, waiting is hard. Uh, <laughs> but... You know, with, with the wait list, what happens is schools create this to shape their class. So they don't rank it. The way that a wait list works is if we go out, and for Georgia Tech in particular, as an example, we try to create an undergrad population of 60% Georgia, 40% non-Georgia, all right? And, and of that 40, about 10% come from outside the country. So we go out with our offers using sort of a predictive model model model. that will say this should return the type of class you want. Well, when deposits come in, you basically reassess that and say, where did we miss? And so it's just like, it's kind of like, I would say it's like making soup. Like you didn't get enough carrots. You need more carrots. Well, you go to your wait list and you grab those, right? So there's a kid from Nebraska. We need that. Here's a kid from California. I see. Okay. So you go, you go looking for a profile to fill out a class. That's right. Interesting. Yeah, because we every school has their own sort of institutional goals and priorities. It. And, and it varies from one place to the next. But hey, this one school is is got a new nursing program and they didn't get enough from what the faculty are telling them they want. That's what they're going to use their wait list for. So you don't get to give your spot <laughs> and we don't rank it. And, and I get that because most of the time when you're on a waiting list, like you have you a can, number. You have a number. And, and, and right? This is That's just so different, true. right? So uh, what is it? T-N-H-I-W? It's not how it works. <laughs> That's not how it works. <laughs> yep. We'll hashtag that. Yeah. All right. Here's the next one. I love this one because it's happening right now here. Um, you know, we're doing this podcast and it's what, March? Almost April? Yep. April's next week. Uh, visiting campus. Okay. We're doing campus visits. Here's the quote. Yes. I saw online you were full today, but I thought if I showed up, dot, 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 or we booked tickets two months ago and now we're here, you have to work us in, dot, 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 or do you really think that I would come here without a reservation? Like, seriously? Or, no, I don't have a confirmation number, but this is the only day that it works for us. And I talked to someone who said, dot, dot, dot. Yeah. Seriously? So we we actually have a, uh, we created a name tag. I slid this in, you know, (laughs) we have kind of a bureaucratic processing, uh, you know, (laughs) um, system here. But um, we, everybody on our staff had to get new name tags and I slid one in that's just called someone. And so we actually have a name tag now for someone because we get this on the phone or down at the front desk a lot. Like, well, I talked to someone. So now we can send someone down there with their name tag. Uh, But, (laughs) you know, Visiting campus, first of all, is 
is critical. And, and, and that is one of the things that I feel like students should do, you know, especially in that ninth, 10th grade year, right. if families are going on vacations, just stop at some schools because, sure. or whatever city you live in, like getting your kids on these campuses, it helps them to start to see the landscape. You no know, question. how is one school different than the other? Do I feel like I could handle a place this big or is this too suburban or too rural or whatever it might be? Like, it's a matter, it's kind of like dating, right? I mean, sure. you know, you, you get out there and you visit and you're like, sometimes you got to figure out what's not for you to right. understand what is. As much of the thing. But yeah, as far as, as far as visiting is concerned, um, <laughs> when schools say, <laughs> you know, that, that they need to, you know, they only have 150 seats and they only have right. five tour guides, like they're serious about that. So yeah, we have a lot of people showing up right now, uh, where we're just telling them what they already saw online, which we are in <laughs> right. fact, you know, full. Um, which I guess most people just don't believe. I don't know. It's yeah. kind of a weird deal. But we, you know, our thing is always like, you know, some big new restaurant opens up in New York, and you know, I'm not just showing up. Right. Like, no reservation. Oh, yeah, you're not going to get a table. Out. Someone said there's a table for me. Right. You know. What? You don't? You don't have that? <laughs> no. I'm ready. Hungry. All right. I love that one. That's not how it works. Um, appealing an admission decision. My son is amazing. Didn't you see his test scores? And we know someone, another someone, who got in who's not as good. How do we appeal? This is the mom and dad calling, by the way. Always. Yeah. So at least, in, yeah, one, at right? least in that one, uh, they didn't like, you know, try to use the voice of their son or daughter and then ah! like, confuse the pronouns. <laughs> that happens too? That absolutely. Yeah. It's great when you, they're sticking with it for a while to impersonate their son or daughter and then they like mess up the pronoun the and say like mode. me or us or we um we get that a lot in fact pronouns are a big thing in the college admission process like you get a lot of you know we are taking the sat next week you know it's like sharpen your pencil and get ready i remember that was actually a point you made when, when i saw you talk yeah. a couple weeks ago was around the we need to prepare we need to take the we need to do the application it's like no yeah it's john's job or Susie's job Susie's student you know like it's yeah. the student's job to own it it's an opportunity to start to hand off and and we talk a lot of moving from parent to partner you know and i think that really is that's tough but it's got to be intentional it doesn't just happen on its own i mean and so there's there's this is an opportunity for that it's the admission process is more than just applying and getting in i think it is if people can look at it that way as a process it's also a relationship process of of changing the dynamics and giving totally. the student ownership and helping them get ready because you know when they get here and and mom and dad is <laughs> they're not around the right they're not in calculus there's not physics. this uh you know yeah. you don't just throw clothes into a closet and they come back folding <laughs> on your bed i mean you know like they they think that happens now you throw it in a closet and those clothes are gone but uh no as far as appealing is concerned i mean the biggest thing is um we want to hear from the student you right. know first of all uh, we always want to hear from the student have them sort of make their case um but the the truth is with appealing i mean one of the things we'll tell students a lot is if you do this you have to be ready to be kind of told no again right and you and may get a second are you no all right with that um but the other thing you know just appealing because like you really want to go there is not going to work Non-starter. not how it works and it probably so, comes through yeah not how it works yeah all right here's another one i think you'll love this one because it's very relevant here at georgia tech my daughter or son is a legacy don't legacies get like priority in the admissions process yeah that's not how it works <laughs> not how it works you know it's but interesting I've given lots of money to 
XYZ school, sure. UNC, yeah. Georgia Tech. Oh, man. Together. Yeah. And, and the one that we get a lot is, well, I've been a season ticket holder for 30 years. Football season. You know? Oh, my gosh. You that's know? hilarious. Um, which is, that's which we appreciate, right? We, right. We, we, we need more people in our stadium. But, <laughs> that's right. Uh, but nonetheless, I mean, you know, first of all, the connection with athletics is not going to be taken into consideration. <laughs> no. uh, but even, even besides that, um, a the majority of schools in the country, especially your large public schools, and, and frankly, to an extent, even some of your just highly selective schools, period, like they have so many graduates and their brand is so big that most of them will tell you, we're not even looking at it. It's right. just not a factor. Does it even matter? All. Yeah. Tech, tech kind of strikes a little bit more of a balanced approach. I think we say we want to know and we do appreciate that connection. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, uh, it might be a tipping factor, but it's not going to like, you know, it could, uh, it could heal the sick, not raise the dead kind of, <laughs> kind of thing. Right. If you're, if you're right, right there on the border, but right. you know, a, a 2.0 and a 900 SAT, right. It, it, it kind of doesn't matter if your grandfather built this place. Like, <laughs> can imagine. All right. That, that's not how it works. Got it. All right. Um, here's, here's an interesting one. Uh, deposits and cancels. So I was admitted to several schools but I can't decide. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make a deposit at all of them. And then I can decide later, you know, what to do about that. Not how it works. Not how it works. Not how it should work. Um, I guess you could. They I mean, call it, this it double could. depositing or triple depositing, you know, <laughs> right. um, holding the spot. And I mean, technically nobody's I coming you to could. you with like, you know, all handcuffs, right? right? And yeah. saying like, well, you, you did this to us. Uh, at the same time, you know, we, we colleges around the country have agreed to this standardized timeline. And so that's why decisions are out by now. I mean, this first part of, or latter part of March, early April, all decisions are out. Financial packages are out. And it gives kids a month to, to make a decision. And, and honestly, I mean, you know, as much as they hated to wait on that, um, why prolong it? I, I mean, I, it should be enough time to go visit schools, to talk to people, to kind of figure out what's the best place for you and then make your decision. But the bigger thing that is just sort of the right thing to do, I guess, is if you've decided not to go somewhere, cancel. Cancel. Because back right. to the point of wanting to give your friend the wait list, well, we're not going to make any moves on our wait list until we know who's not coming. Because look, I mean, right now we need a class of 2,900, but we admitted almost 8,000. So we're not going to add in admits when right. the possibility is waiting. out there. Yep. Exactly. Um, so this is something that it's a little more of a nuance and it's not something I think kids are coached on as much in high school, but for the message to get out there that, yeah, that is actually part of the the process and experience. But, right. Yeah. It's kind of like keeping a couple, well, I'm not even going to go there. <laughs> Back to the dating situation. All right. All right so uh, the next one, that's not how it works. Um, in-state tuition. I think this is a fun one. Uh, we used to live in Georgia. Uh, my grandparents have a lake house in Georgia. <laughs> I love this. The Falcons lost and the Super Bowl still burns. So I should get in-state tuition. <laughs> Not how it works. No, I mean, you know. Lots of people try to get around this one, though. I, I hear this one more a than a lot of these others that I that sure. hear you talk about. There is, there is no question. I mean, and I, I get it. I mean, right. look, I mean, is there a chance <laughs> right. that, you know. Uh, we Bought can a, an apartment downtown, you know. Right. But... First of all, I mean, these are statewide laws, uh, you know, residency <laughs> it's and tuition. It's not like the person's like, you know, I'm just not feeling like giving you right. tuition. Today. Uh, and so we're kind of operating within that within that system. But the the 
generally speaking across the country, the way it works is if you've lived in a state for a year, paid taxes, and that's your primary residence, that is typically going to give you in-state tuition. And that's actually by the time a student matriculates, not when they get in. So for instance, if you move to a state the summer prior to the senior year, you would be eligible for, for coming in with in-state tuition. Sure. Um, you know, and and so, the, but yeah, there's some good stories, buying man. There's some great home, stories. Buying a condo in some other state doesn't help. No, not how it works. All right, one more, and then we'll get to how our listeners can reach out to you. Um, this one I actually like, and I wrote it as there's no win in comparison. So the quote is, you know, my classmate, my neighbor, my cousin got in, and I'm a better student, or... We both know my son's smarter than, you know, fill in the blank. Or last year you took John, who's exactly like my son. And again, that's not how it works. Yeah. And I mean, I, again, I, I understand where this is coming from without a doubt, but uh, with these schools that have low admit rates, um, first of all, we're not even going to have that conversation, right? I mean, there is something called FERPA, which is a federal uh, law that basically protects students' rights and, and data. Technically, that is more for our current students so that, you know, people can't come and learn all kinds of things about our, our student body. But the extension of FERPA to applicants is, is also valid, which is when a student submits their information to us, you know, it's private. And so we're not going to kind of have that conversation to begin with. But then the other thing is, it's just not even a healthy conversation no. to have, right? <laughs> I can't see how that would be productive. And, and no win in comparison. No. And there are a lot of schools that run formulaic type of admission where it's just like a plug and chug, GPA, SAT, you're in or you're out. It's like running track, jumping a hurdle. But these other places that from the get-go tell you, we have a holistic process. You know, we're gonna be looking at all kinds of different factors. There's just no way you're gonna know what whoever, John, you right, know, actually, right. maybe his essay was amazing. Yeah, maybe you he's don't got know. some really interesting kind of, you know, life circumstance that makes him a perfect fit, even though, yeah, his SATs were 20 points lower, his GPA is 0.2 lower. You know, at the end of the day, you're trying to create a class and sometimes that kid, while on some metrics may be different or even quote unquote lower, is actually the right cultural fit for that school. And that's that's their discretion to make that decision. Yeah, that's, that's a good one. It's not how it works. <laughs> All right, last but not least, um, I wanna just ask you your perspective on the value of and the importance of essays and out of school activities. So got, you know, the GPAs and kind of the stats and facts, but talk about, and not just here, but just in general across schools, the value and importance around those two things. So again, when we're talking about these schools, um, you know, you name it in your head of the place that you know is tough to get into and, and highly selective. The truth is that for their applicants, from a academic standpoint, the vast majority could come and do just fine. So, so the numbers go out the window really quickly. Wow, interesting. Right? I mean, our I think this year of the 36,000 applications, something like 18,000 had above a 1,400 oh, SAT, wow. right? Um, I mean, it is to the point now where from an academic standpoint, you could like blindfold the staff, put a bunch of names of kids around a wall, pop popcorn, throw darts, and get your class in and terms of who can well. make it, right? It, yep. But what we're trying to do, not we, Georgia Tech, but we colleges around the country are trying to create a very unique 
campus community. Sure. And so where do you get that? Not from whether it's a 1430 or 1410, not from the fact that you took AP psychology instead of AP US history, right. but more so of, you know, is this the type of student who's a good cultural fit for us? And that's where the, the writing that they do and the stuff they're involved with comes in. So Got again, it. using tech just as an example, we have a very kind of entrepreneurial startup incubator looking forward type of student. And, and so when we're reading essays and where we're looking at what a student's involved with, we're trying to get a sense of that, you know, sure. the type of impact they've had and do they kind of culturally fit? Well, you know, Brown University is got a whole different idea of when they're reading essays or when what they're, they're looking, looking for. you know, this is who we are as an institution. And so that is where I think it's incumbent upon the student and parent to understand like no copy and paste. Yeah. You don't just like go, this is where going down the rankings is actually kind of a ludicrous thing to do because in one through 10, the actual ethos of those places is so disparate that the decisions naturally would vary. Right. Because, you know, you take MIT and, and Brown, they look numerically very similar, but man, those places are so far apart in the type of dynamics, right? Sure. And so, you know, that's where the read on a student by the admission staff is totally different. And it all it does not come down to GPA and SAT. It's all those other things. Well, I know we could go on for a couple hours talking about all these different topics, but um, I want to make sure our listeners can find you and can read your content. And you've got always great coaching and insights. So share with our audience where they can connect with you, where they can find you, et cetera. Yeah, absolutely. Well, first of all, thanks for having me. It's, it's been, been so been, fun. Been great. I really appreciate it. Um, in terms of, uh, yeah, kind of finding me online. So our admission site uh, is admission.gatech.edu. And in the uh, horizontal nav, there's a blog link and you can go there and, and if people and want to subscribe, yeah, awesome. that would be great. Um, but then also on Twitter, we are at GT Admission uh, and also on Instagram at GT Admission. Uh, so following us there is a great way to not only just kind of get some of that. Uh, we do try to talk broadly. Sure. Um, yeah, that's what I like about your content. Insight. It's not just Georgia Tech centric. It's it's much broader than any school, really. Yeah, absolutely. And and we feel like that's we're in a nice position to be able to do that. If if this is the right fit for kids, that's perfect. But otherwise, we just want to be you know a resource. That's awesome. Well, Rick, it has been great having you on podcast. Yeah, thanks, Justin. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us on the ContenderCast. You can download additional ContenderCast episodes directly via the Apple iTunes App Store, the Google Play Store, Spotify, and other preferred podcast platforms. If you would like to be a guest on the ContenderCast, connect with us at contenderbrands.com. This is Brian Benson reminding you that every winner started as a contender. Contender.